podcast one production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. Queensland actor Brenton Thwaites is not even 30, but he's already got an impressive list of Hollywood movies under his belt. Maleficent, The Giver, Gods of Egypt, and of course his biggest movie to date, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. In that, he plays Orlando Bloom's son, Henry Turner, and he stars opposite none other than Johnny Depp. It sounds like success came quickly for the former Home and Away actor, but don't be fooled. When I caught up with Brenton at his home in Los Feliz, nestled below the Hollywood Hills, he shared his amazing story of patience and perseverance, and he required lots of both to finally make it. So, Brenton, welcome to Aussies in Hollywood. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> um, you wasn't much. long ago I saw you on the red carpet and um, doing all your press for the Pirates movie, and then you went all over the world. Um, what's it like to sort of finally be on the other end of that entire, you know, that experience from the very beginning to the end? It's quite surreal. I'd experienced it once before on Maleficent, you know, performing and waiting so many years for the movie to come out. And that movie worked to my advantage because, uh, you know, I was the new kid in a big movie and, um, it created opportunities in that little interim period, you know, um, from production to the movie being released and in that time I, uh, I got a lot of independent opportunities um, I did a couple of movies back in Australia um, but on Pirates it was a little different because uh, I did the movie and at the end of the movie uh, my partner and I had a baby and I kind of just took the year off and uh, lived on the Gold Coast and hung out and surfed and, um, and wrote a lot and played my guitar and uh, and when she came, our daughter, I kind of realised that it was the time to go back to LA and hit Hollywood hard again. Wow. So we're sitting on in the back patio of your house in Los Feliz with birds right. chirping and helicopters and Kale drones. Growing, and LAPD flying, the moon <laughs> shining. <laughs> it's very much right, right in the heart of LA. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been here now? How long have you been back? We've been in it for about a week. Wow. Uh, you went to the premiere in, what, Shanghai? and That's right. We started actually down in Australia, I think much to my request. I wanted to go home for a week. And, uh, and then I, I flew from Sydney to Shanghai, Shanghai to Paris, uh, Paris to L.A. for the L.A. premiere, and then to New York for a little bit, and then we just came back from Tokyo. Wow. So I remember that I think the first time I met you was when you did The Giver with Phil Noyce. That's right. And, um, yeah, that in 2015, was, I believe. Yeah. And I know that, you know, Phil sort of was the one that really gave you a big break there. What's your relationship like with him? It's great. You know, he's always trying to stick me in his movies, which is fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's great to have a champion like Phil. He, uh, you know, he's known in so many circles around LA and has so many great connections. Um, How did you first meet him? Did he, you just went in for a read for The Giver? Or? First time I met him was auditioning for him and uh, for The Giver. And it was quite an extensive process in the sense that 
I must have done about 10 auditions. And, uh, and I think once he knew he was going to cast me in the role, they didn't tell me. And they kind of, he, I think he was just using me to read and test with the other actors. And so, um, you know, five or six auditions turned into, you know, 10 or 11 read-throughs with other actors. Um, but it was great, you know, he, uh, he really fought for me to be in the movie. So, yeah, thank you, Phil. He's been a great um, supporter of Aussies over here. I know so many people, even Nicole Kidman stayed mm -hmm. with him when she first came over after Dead Calm and Jason Clark, and, right. you know, yeah. he's had a big impact on a lot of young people. So it must feel nice to sort of know you have that support from someone who's you know, knows what they're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to feel like, you know, as a young kid in Hollywood, you have those veterans of the industry that, you know, are from Australia but have also been working in LA for years, you know, for 20, 30 years. And so it was kind of nice to be accepted and kind of put through the ringer, as I say, with Phil. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. You, was it, you grew up in Cairns, right? I did, yeah. What's it like growing up in a place like Cairns? It's beautiful, you know, I, I miss it now, but at the time I remember, uh, you know, I used to write songs about like hating cans and wanting to get out and explore the world. Um, ever since I was a kid, I just had this fascination with the world and traveling and my mum was a huge traveler and I kind of wanted to follow in her footsteps. Um, and so Cairns was, you know, a beautiful place to grow up, very safe and, you know, uh, you're surrounded by so many different ecosystems, the rainforest, the reef, um, beautiful beaches. Um, but, I, you know, as, 17, as a 17-year-old, I just wanted to <laughs> get the hell out of there and travel. Because it wasn't like a bustling big city, is that, does it? Did it feel like a small town or...? You know what? It didn't really feel like a small town because we... Most of our industry was Great Barrier Reef, you know, and, um, and the rainforest. And uh, a lot of tourists go to Cairns to see these these beautiful places, and um, and so you meet. I mean, I, I met so many people from you know Ireland, England, Israel, America, you know, all over the world. But that that's kind of annoying because it's you know it's more of like it feeds into the itch of just wanting to go and see their countries. What did your parents do? My mother was an orthopedic nurse, and she. When I was 15, she went back to college and uh, studied to be a midwife. Wow. So now she's a midwife. And my father runs a, uh, a tech company. I mean, that sounds very posh and Silicon Valley-esque, but um, he works at home. He's been grinding away for, you know, 15, 20 years on his own business. I still don't know what he does. I mean, he could work for the CIA for all I know. Um, <laughs> but you knew pretty early on that you wanted to act. What, do you remember if there was a moment, like a, something you saw, you watched? or Later in my teens, it was theatre. Um, I joined this uh, theatre group that exposed me to uh, a variety of different Shakespeare plays and theatre sports, and it kind of opened me up. Um, in terms of the possibilities of this world, you know, of drama. But I think, uh, you know, film specifically, which is what I love, has something to do with my earlier life. Um, when I was a boy, my mother would take me to films, you know, all the time. And I was exposed to all kinds of different movies right from a young age. You see Leo in uh, Romeo and Juliet and Matt Damon in A Good Will Hunting and those kind of 
rich young men, you know, when you grow into a man, they're, they're the kind of characters that show a really sensitive vulnerability that I always liked to see and was always, you know, touched by. And I'm sure there's a bunch of cool action movies in there somewhere that <laughs> I, I loved and, you know, wanted to portray as, as well. But they're the two that come, come to mind right now. You got your own Romeo and Juliet start, right? Did you? Did That's you... right, yeah. I started in, I mean, the first play I did was Romeo and Juliet, yeah. If that was the first play, was that the moment when you really kind of got the bug? Um, I think it was the moment where I figured out that people would listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had the permission of, you know, being in a theatre and being the actor on stage. But, um, I, you know, I hated Shakespeare as a teenager, studying it, reading it. I couldn't stand it. Um, but when I joined this group uh, and when I performed Romeo, performed Romeo and Juliet, I realised how much fun it is to act. You know, these words are meant to be said and acted on stage. And, um, and that's kind of when I fell in love with acting. Now, I was surprised to read you. You actually went to QUT, Queensland University mm -hmm. of Technology, and got a degree in acting up there. That's right. We hear a lot about Whopper and NIDA. I was and... surprised too. I mean, why would they give me a degree? No. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I just haven't <laughs> heard about a lot of people who've come out of, you know, the Queensland. I didn't realise there was a, a lot of support for acting in the, in the tertiary level up in Queensland. So what was that like? I loved it. It was exactly what I needed to do in that space of time. You know, my teachers there at the time, which were Diane Eden, Leonard Meenick, and in particular Charles Allen, um, were huge influences upon me and still are. Charles was mainly, you know, our teacher. He was de designated to, to our first year class. And uh, what we studied and the type of work we were doing was really freeing and um, confronting, you know, and scary and we were always vulnerable and questioning ourselves and uh, experiencing an influx of emotions all the time and really trying to tap into how we really feel. And at the end of the day, it kind of taught us all to commit to the moment. You know, if you're going to make a choice or do something, go really big and commit to it. Don't half do something. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to do that in my work, you know. Right. You got out of QUT and what happened next? I graduated, I moved down to Sydney. The next day I had an audition for a TV series called Slide. Wait, the next day? The very next day, that's right. And, um, and you got it, because we and all know you day, did that. <laughs> I flew, down, flew back up to Brisbane and, um, and I got it and I uh, spent another three months in Brisbane. And after that I finally moved down to Sydney and uh, had a guest character on Home and Away. You were on Home and Away for what was it 56 episodes I believe was not, it not that I'm not not that I'm looking at IMDB or anything <laughs> <laughs> I guess so I guess so Stu Henderson mm -hmm. you know everybody says that Home and Away is like one of the best training grounds and we all know how many other people have come right. from that background was it helpful to you even though you'd already gotten your degree in acting or was it difficult did you have to unlearn some of the things you learned because it was this sort of you know fast sort of TV right. soap you know, atmosphere? You know, the best thing about Home and Away was the fact that you're always working, you know, you're, you're always in front of the camera. It shoots really quickly, so you don't really have the opportunity to, you know, to dwell on your performance or to, you know, you, you can't, it doesn't really allow you to prepare for too long, um, so you've got to make strong choices straight away. Um, 
you know, just at, at that age when you're younger, just being in front of a camera, well, to me, it was quite intimidating, you know. So the more time spent in front of a camera, the better, the more you relax and the more comfortable you are. When I look back, that's kind of the one thing that I, I feel like I took from that show. Was uh, Blue Lagoon the next thing you did after that? Blue Lagoon was the second next thing that I did after that, yeah. So um, I was around for the first Blue Lagoon. <laughs> I remember interviewing Christopher Atkins. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what was that experience like? I mean, I had a great time. It's funny, my partner and I just watched that recently again. I think I did something wrong and she said, okay, well, your punishment is that you have to watch Blue Lagoon with me again. <laughs> and so I did. And there's really moments in there where I just see that I was, you know, just taking a huge risk and having a great time and honest. Um, you know, I, I really feel like some of those moments, some, not all, um, some of those scenes, are, I'm kind of proud of my work, you know, which is weird because it's Blue Lagoon, The Awakening, you know, a TV movie for lifetime. Um, but there's there's some stuff in there that that I'm really proud of, yeah. So at what point did you first come to America? So somewhere around there, in between 2005 and 2015, <laughs> um, <laughs> I finished Home and Away and I came over to America and I was here for about three or four months. And, uh, of course, I got an Australian movie, Save Your Legs, which was shooting in Varanasi, Calcutta, Melbourne and uh, Mumbai. And so that was great. You know, that was my first big feature film um, although I was playing a guest character, I was part of the team and got to fly around with everyone and, and had a really good time on that movie. And then I got Blue Lagoon. So when you first came to LA, what were, what were your memories of that very first trip? Well, I'd actually been to LA a year beforehand in between my second and third year of college um, to study with the guy who we were, who we were basically studying in Australia. And... My memory of that trip was absolute culture shock, you know. As soon as I came out of the airport, it, was, it just hit me. And I stayed in a rough part of town and, I mean, not too rough, but, you know, rough enough. And, uh, you know, I did make a lot of friends. I, I kind of kept to myself. And the next time I came over after Home and Away, it was completely different. You know, I'd met people in Australia who were here. And so I had some friends to connect with as soon as I landed. I met, I met a really good friend of mine uh, who basically took care of me and still takes care of me. <laughs> He'd been here for about four or five years and, um, and he kind of took me under his wing for a couple of years, which was nice. I'm assuming you spend a bit of time around LA, between jobs, going through that thing that a lot of young actors do. I mean, I don't know when, if it was the second trip or the third mm -hmm. one, but talk a little bit about like what that experience is like when you're in LA right. from Australia... And, you know, there's, now there's so many Australians who've right. come over and everybody seems to think you get off the plane and the next week, you you know, you've got a TV show or a movie, but it's really not like that. And I'm yeah. kind of curious about what the experience is like, you know, for someone like you, because I'm sure you must have slogged it out for a while with a lot of auditions. Yeah, well, you know, it just never ends. That's, that's the thing. It never ends, you know. I was listening to uh, an interview by Denzel Washington and he says, you know, do what you got to do before you do what you want to do. <laughs> and that's so true. But when you're all right, you know, financially and 
when you're set up, you get your place, you get your friends. Then you start thinking about what impact do I want to have? What movies, what characters do I want to create? I'm kind of in in that at the moment. Like I'm, I'm just thinking, what do I, what do I want to do? I wish I knew. You know, it's hard to know. But in terms of in terms of young actors, I always say that you just got to do everything, audition for everything, because that's what I did. I'd send a self test if I was in Varanasi. I mean, that's how I got Blue Lagoon was some rural area and I did a self-test with a so couple a of guys So a self-test, just to explain to everyone, is when you do a video somewhere and you read the lines and then you send it off to them so they can see it, right? Right. It's basically shooting the scene that they give you and editing it, putting the sound together and you kind of have to be like a one-man band, <laughs> um, which is a pain in the ass. But <laughs> if you do that and if you audition for everything, then one thing's going to hit. Right. And uh, so that's kind of what I say to people. Did it happen easily for you or did you have a period where you second-guessed yourself? It did happen very easily for me, but it didn't at the same time. It did because I, I got a great manager and a great agent and, uh, and I had represent- representation back home and I had a bunch of people believing in me and sending me auditions and basically putting me in every room in Hollywood, which was nice. So I had the opportunities, but at the same time, I lost out on a lot of stuff, you know, and it just gets you down. It just, there's no way around it, you know, until you read a new script that lights you back up again, losing out to another guy, you know, being the final two for 10 things and missing out. It just, the rejection just, you know, it's What were you in the final two for? I won't say. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But But yeah, uh, that's got to hurt. It hurts. And so, yeah, perseverance, the number one reason why people succeed in this town and you're just hanging out with Meryl Streep all of a sudden (laughs) you're right you go from oh I don't know and then suddenly I mean is she you know when you're on a set with Meryl Streep is it kind of one of those pinch me moments Meryl's great she's lovely you know the mood the parts that we had together were very tricky to shoot technically so uh, it required myself to do a lot of a lot of the dialogue and scene work with a CGI Meryl, um, and sometimes a, a stand, a drama stand-in, um, and then a few months later, Meryl would come in and would do, you know, all of her stuff. So it was, it wasn't a normal scene in that sense, but um, it was great to see her work. Hmm. Talking about Australians in Hollywood, the other thing I'm curious about is just. I mean, a lot of people, and they probably say this to you too, is they always say, what's in the water down there? You know, they're always, Americans are always kind of going on about, there's got to be something like, and when you look at the size of the country and how enormously successful, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera, Australians have become, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing Mm. for such a little country. Do you have any theories about why you think that is? I think it's just FOMO. That's it. Fear, Fear of, of missing, missing out. out. <laughs> I think lover of movies have to come to LA, you know, to make movies. And um, I think down in Australia, we're kind of underdogs, you know, right from the beginning we were, we were underdogs. And uh, I, I feel like there's a fight in Australians, you know, we're competitive. There's definitely a glint behind the passive, easygoing, friendly Australian, you know not a glint, a fire. Uh, and I see that competitiveness, that persistence and that, that kind of fire, that fight. At the end of the day, you know, 
there are different cultures with all of those things, but I think we're so far down under that uh, it's just a fear of missing out. You know, we want to be in it to win it. <laughs> I like that. You worked with Jeffrey Rush on Gods of Egypt first, right? Mm-hmm. Was Gods of Egypt was after Maleficent, right? Uh, it was, yeah. yeah. Gods of Egypt was the movie I did directly after The Giver. And uh, Maleficent was before The Giver, was Maleficent it? Maleficent was directly after The Blue Lagoon. Right. Well, that that's another one of those amazing opportunities that must have been really cool while you were there with Angelina Jolie and um, playing a prince, I mean, in a fairy tale. Hello. I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm on my way to King Stefan's castle and I've become... Hopelessly lost. Can you help me? It's that way. The castle. What's your name? It's Philip. What What was that like? I tell you what, it was actually pretty frustrating because uh, I just wanted to do something, you know, that was uh, gritty and dark and um, challenging and kind of uh, multi-layered. So it was a great experience for me, but I think I was just hungry. You know, I just wanted to do something where I was on set every day and, you know, um, doing massive hours and that would definitely come later on. But um, I I didn't see it for what it was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You've worked with some pretty amazing actors. I mean, have you learned a lot from some of them in particular? I mean, who's really taught you? The most. I think watching Ewan McGregor and Jeff Bridges work were two, uh, two, two very In influential In Son of a Gun, things. right? Son of a Gun with Ewan. Bad move. What? He's got your checkmate. It's all right. What? He's got your checkmate in three moves. Show me. When your king opens whoa, up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? I didn't tell you to sit down. It says, show me the move. A lot of my scenes in those movies are with those two guys and... Um, they, they always carry uh, their magical child right next to them, you know. So they're always playing with different things and uh, freeing themselves up and trying new choices. Um, but on top of that, they're very intelligent and well-read, well-spoken. They treat people very well and, you know, would try to teach me things, on, which was kind of nice because uh, I was a young turd at the time. And, um, you know, having those guys try and part with their knowledge was really nice. Uh, Jeff has this this thing where if he's not feeling it, he doesn't want to, he doesn't rush anything. He doesn't like to rush, you know. And if we all know Philip Noyce, you know, if the sun's going down, <laughs> he can get people to rush. <laughs> and uh, and I really respected how Jeff, you know, if he wasn't feeling it, he would, he would just tell people, guys, you know, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. Just give me a little bit, little bit more time. And um, Phil was pretty good with that, but, you know, sometimes you just do it. You just have to just rush into it and do the scene. I guess if you've won an Academy Award and have been working since you were 19. I guess people will wait for you you at that point if you say, I'm not feeling it. But (laughs) Phil might not be so patient with everybody, right? That's right, yeah. (laughs) Gods of Egypt. I, I read somewhere a long time ago that, you were in the audience of a Rove McManus show and he caught you reading or writing in your journal and then he read it out. And I don't know if this is true or not, but you were that, like you'd written that you wanted to do a surfing movie with Gerard Butler. 
Was that true? Okay, so this is a story. <laughs> <laughs> Let's clear this up, Rove. Let's clear this up. On the back of slide, slash home and away, I came over here in June, August, or something like that, of 2000 and something, <laughs> 12, I think. And, um, and the producer of Rove's show invited me to the show to check it out and you know, see Rove. And so I went, but it came at a really bad time because I had to learn my lines for an audition called Rosaline. So I was learning my lines, reading the script, preparing when Rove was offline. And so he was doing the same thing, but must have looked up and noticed me reading my, you know, lines or writing in my journal or something and had material at the start of the, at the start of the show when the show was on. And it just so happens that he flipped the journal to the exact page where I had wrote a year ago when I was auditioning for a movie called Mavericks. It'd be cool to do a surf movie. It'd be you know great to work with Gerard Butler and this would be amazing. I get to surf and you know go to Mavericks and this and that. And so that's what he read out. And so it was kind of coincidental me being on his show a couple of years later promoting Gods of Egypt with Gerard Butler. Wow. <laughs> um, and you you know you've made a surf movie that Helen Hunt. Wrote and directed, right. and you've made a movie with Gerard Butler, so not bad. What was it like going home with a big movie like Gods of Egypt? Most of that movie for me, sadly, was second unit. I, I didn't get to do a lot of my scenes with the guys, you know, with the actors. One, because they're 10 feet tall, and technically it's hard to shoot that. Um, but two, because of schedule and time and money and this and that. So that was great to go home to Sydney, but creatively it was a little frustrating, that one. I'm dying to go back to Sydney to do a movie. Dying. Dying. I love working at Fox Studios. It's the best in the world. <laughs> so um, Pirates was a long time ago, right? The very big – when you first heard about that. And doing the math, I realised you must have been, what, around 13 when the very first Pirates came out? I was 14, yeah. Do you remember 14. that? The most vivid memory I have of that was the effect, the moonlight effect. But I mean, I remember loving Jeffrey's character, you know, as the villain and seeing him pop out into the moonlight and seeing his bones and, you know, all the skeletal pirates chasing after Kira Knightley. That was my favourite one, I think, number one, yeah. Was it a long audition process? What goes into getting the lead opposite Johnny Depp in a movie like that? It was a long audition process. They auditioned a bunch of guys in 2004 maybe 2013, late 2013. Um, and the movie delayed a year for some mm. reason. And, um, and so I kind of I auditioned and was shortlisted and was told the movie might be going, might not be going. And so I was kind of just hanging on for about a year. And I did The Signal and Oculus and uh, Son of a Gun, I think, was in that time period. And so I was working on other movies. And uh, in 2014... It came back up again and I auditioned and, uh, and that's when I met the producers and the directors and, um, and that's when they hired me. Hand me a sword. I don't have a sword. What kind of soldier has no weapons? I'm currently wanted for treason. So not the very good kind then. I'm looking for a pirate, Captain Jack Sparrow. Well, today is your lucky day. Because I just happen to be Captain. No, it can't be. I've spent years searching for this. The great Jack Sparrow is not some drunk in a cell. Do we even have a ship? A crew? 
Pants. A great pirate does not require such intricacies. I mean, that that's one of the biggest movies, you know, of all time. Did it feel exciting, nerve-wracking? I mean, how does it feel when you find out after all that time and that you're in a movie, you know, like this? And it's coming back to Australia. I mean, that was the main draw card for me, to be honest. I'd loved the franchise. It was always a fun movie to watch as a kid. And, you know, Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow is so entertaining and funny. And the opportunity is fantastic, but to go home to shoot a movie on the Gold Coast, I just bought a house there a year ago, a year before I got cast. So it was kind of a no-brainer, you know. But I thought you, you weren't living in that house, though, while you were filming, were you? Because didn't you end up meeting your partner because you rented a room or something? Or am I getting the story I did, wrong? yeah, I did. I moved home for a little bit, a month or two, and um, Johnny broke his hand and moved back to L.A. for a little bit. So that's when I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I moved out into a, a complete, completely different area and just hung out and surfed and played music and bread. And how funny, you go all over the world and then you, had end, a baby. Up, you end up <laughs> yeah. having a baby with somebody that you meet while you're there making a Hollywood I movie. Know. I know. <laughs> Life I know. has a funny way of surprising us, right? Very funny way. <laughs> I know you've talked about Johnny incessantly for a year, so mm-hmm. forgive me, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious what he's like as an actor at this point. Right. He got a, he got an Oscar nomination for Captain Sparrow in the first one and I think he's always been revered as the kind of actor who, as you said much earlier, fully commits mm-hmm. to everything he does. Talk a little bit about just the whole, the whole experience of being on a set with Johnny Depp. I think the main thing that I got from Johnny is just his fearlessness, you know. Those great actors like, you know, Jeff and Ewan and Johnny... Um, Jeffrey, they 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 have an instinct and they act they they act on it. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Um, you know, without fear. Or if they're scared, they don't show. It. They just commit to the moment, the the choice or whatever it is. And uh, what I saw in Johnny was just a guy who was constantly trying new jokes and new things. And was he a generous actor? He was very generous. Yeah, it's funny. I've talked about him for a hundred hours in a row in hotels all around the world. But now that I think about it, we only had a few scenes where um, something crazy is not happening, you know, where we're really talking about, thinking about the words and reacting with each other. And uh, I remember being very nervous and, you know, dealing with that wretched accent. And, um, <laughs> and you know, he, he, he's very calming, you know. He's kind of encouraging and relaxing and... Uh, it was very surreal, the experience, you know, because I, I, I never really met him outside of character. It was always on set as Jack Sparrow. Really? And, yeah. Oh, so y- you really knew him as... He didn't stay in character, though, did he, between scenes or...? I mean, uh, we only really went to work, you know. We only really really saw each other at work and, and hung out in... Co- I mean, he could say the same about me, I'm sure, you know. I only really yeah. saw Brenton in costume and in character. yeah. But, yeah, he, he stays in character, you know, after work in case there's fans that want to take photos. And, you know, he was flying helicopters to the tops of hospitals and you know, Aww, doing really? Jack Sparrow visitations at different hospitals around Brisbane, which was cool. And that I really love too. Coming up on Aussies in Hollywood, Brenton talks about his Teen Choice Award nomination up against Johnny Depp and his idol, Hugh Jackman, plus the advice he got when he was back in drama school that has always stuck with him. 
The Teen Choice Awards. Uh, you are in the same category for Choice Action Movie Actor with Chris Pine, Dwayne Johnson, Hugh Jackman, Johnny Depp and Vin Diesel. God, I better start tweeting then. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing to hear, right? I don't know if you – I'm sure you've been told that that, that was you, you were nominated fairly recently for that. I looked at my email and just – I was just wondering if it's – if I'm being had. Like, is that real? Is that <laughs> – am I really up against those guys? Um, but it's it's awesome. I mean, I love it. It, it kind of – it's an honour more than anything else, you know. Especially Hugh Jackman, you know. I've, I admire Hugh. I've looked up to him for years. And um, to be in the same category is cool. <laughs> Have you got to meet him? Yeah, I met him uh, after his show, The River, on Broadway. Mm. Uh, a few years back. He's a lovely guy. Yeah. You have a bunch of other movies that are either they haven't started yet or you've done them and they haven't come out. Um, I'm just going to throw out the names and just tell me what yeah, you sure. want to say about them. Um, and also one of them, Office Uprising, you mm -hmm. executive produced. Yeah, that one I helped get off the ground um, early last year in February. Um, there was a small window where uh, I was available um, just before Baby was about to pop and um, come out <laughs> before <laughs> Chloe was about to pop. And uh, I had about three weeks, three to four weeks, and the movie was about to go. And um, I think the director fell off or something happened. And um, I basically attached myself in a way of saying, I know it's hard to believe, Jenny, but at the time I had a little bit of pull. <laughs> um, I'm sure you do. Pirates in the can. And, uh, you know, my name helped the movie get off the ground and get funding. And so as a part of that, uh, comes the executive producer title. I mean, that was a really interesting experience because it was the first movie I had done where they, you know, in the early stages, they're saying things like, you know, who do you see directing this and and uh, who do you see playing your love interest or your best friend or the bad guy? And you realize that casting is a very hard thing to do, you know. So now I keep like a massive list, you know, in my books of just random actors who I like. I'm still waiting for it to come out. It's it's basically about these these three friends that work in an office building um, called Amutech, which is a weapons manufacturing company. And um, the latest weapon that comes into the office is a drink. And basically everyone takes a drink of this drink except for these three friends. And they have to figure out how to use, you know, the office implements in order to survive a revolt. They all turn all into zombies, zombies when they drink. This <laughs> that's drink. right. Yeah, that's right. An Interview with God. An Interview with God was the first movie I took um, after Birdie came along. And uh, it was a movie, a tiny movie, um, a very dialogue-heavy script, almost like a play. It read like, it kind of read like three acts, you know, with a chunk in between each act and um and I got to you know act opposite David Strathairn who is a, an amazing theater actor mm. and veteran film actor um and uh the subject for me was uh very interesting it still is you know um in a nutshell it's about this guy who comes back from the Afghanistan war He's a journalist and um, he was reporting on the war and saw some very horrific things. And 
while he was over there, lost his faith in God and lost his faith in himself. And it, the movie's about him interviewing this guy who claims to be God and, uh, and through a series of questions, figuring out, you know, how to repair his life. And you're the guy. And I'm the journalist, yeah. You're not the God. <laughs> no, I'm not the God. David's the God, is he? David's the man. David's the man. I think they're calling him, yeah. <laughs> Ghosts of War was a World War II movie with Billy Zane. Mm-hmm. That one we just done, we just done. I'm talking like I'm back up in Cairns, mate. <laughs> um, that one we just finished in Sofia, Bulgaria um, with writer-director Eric Bress. That, that one was more of a uh, kind of like a, you know, I, I read the script and, I, the script and I, I realized that there's not really anything like this around. And um, it kind of had elements of platoon and, you know, elements of paranormal activity. And it kind of, uh, it interest, interested me how what seemed like a horror movie um, really felt like a character drama, you know. For the first 60 pages, these guys uh, protecting this chateau in the south of France in World War I, sorry, World War II. And it really feels like, you know, a World War II movie, like Saving Private Ryan or something like that. Not as good, sorry, Spielberg. But um, once the, the, the supernatural elements are introduced, it gets a little crazy and and, you know, starts to turn into something a little bit more cliche and um, recognisable. But uh, the first chunk didn't seem like it had any structure. You know, it was just straight from the heart of the writer, um, from Eric. And I, I love that. So you've got another two movies that are in development that may or may not happen. One with um, uh, God 4 with Jai Courtney and Michael Douglas. Um, the other one, Entry Level with Carl Urban. Are they sort of, are you sort of in this place now where if something else comes up you like, you can take it or are you kind of just waiting to see what happens with those films? Waiting to see what happens with those films. Um, we lost funding on both of those movies. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening with The God For. That was a cool script, um, put together by Todd Karmanicki, who directed, uh, sorry, who wrote Sully um, with Tom Hanks, came mm. out earlier this year, I think. And um, that was, that's the kind of movie that I've been looking for for years, you know, since I came out of college. That dark, brooding, a lot of issues, um, very multi-layered character um, that has this, crazy relationship with Jai Courtney's character um, and basically ends up, well, I shouldn't give it away, but, you know, ends up... Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, you know what, I'm not going to spoil no, it. No, I don't. I'm not going to spoil it just in case it comes together. That must but, be very frustrating. You found the role that you were, this was the one you've been telling me this whole interview, mm -hmm. I really want to do that kind of movie and then, you know, things happen, I guess, in Hollywood, right? Yeah, I mean, that's happened for so many movies. The, the perfect thing comes along and they, they lose money or you lose the role or the director falls off or something. Um, but this was a perfect example because it felt like all the ducks were in a row and out of nowhere, out of left field, it just went away, you know. Um, 
And so that's what happened with that one. I mean, I, I kind of just wanted to work with Jai as well because I hadn't met him at that stage. And, you know, he was shooting up through the ranks and yeah. doing these massive movies. Um, and he always intrigued me because he, he seems like an action guy. Um, but then you go see, uh, what was the, the cop drama that he did with Joel Edgerton a couple of years ago? Felony? Yeah, Felony. Yeah, mm. Felony was great. And, you know, the character he created in the Suicide Squad was cool. Um, it just seems like one of those guys that's going to sneak into the drama world very soon and, you know, be one of these actors like, you know, Heath. Well, he's and just Joel been in Edgerton Melbourne and, doing Shakespeare in the Melbourne Theatre Company. Right, yeah, so. I know. Yeah. Um, so, um, you to hang out with him, like, I don't know if you've. I think you'd have like to work Joel in a movie Edgerton with one. Or... I mean, I've met Joel mainly through Nash, who I'd worked with on Son of a Gun. Um, I think it's in the work, you know, because yeah. all those guys are working all the time. You know, they're busy um, writing, producing, acting, you know. So I, I really think it's in uh, a common interest of work. Um, now, you and I were talking before about um, Joel and you were saying that you've looked at his career and realised, you know, he he can create work for himself and he writes and produces and directs as well and that was sort of an inspiration for you. Is that, you know, you've, you've attached yourself to something once. Are you looking at expanding into other areas um, for your career to have a bit more control maybe over, you know, what's out there and create it? Yeah, I am looking at doing that. It's tough. You know, that side is so tricky because uh, you have to actually email people back and answer your phone and stuff. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. I don't know how these people do this. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but um, we were always told in college, you know, in university, be prepared to make your own work. You know, don't be afraid to write a scene and get a couple of guys together and shoot it. Um, and uh, we had a guy called Matt O'Kine come and talk to us when we were in third year, I think. Uh, and what he said to us really stuck with me, which was, you know, the industry is unforgiving and don't waste time by just sitting around waiting for work. And, uh, and although I was quite fortunate in the sense that I was able to get work and, you know, do some cool movies, it's always stuck with me, you know, when things quieten down and, uh, you know, and I maybe want to take a bit of a break from acting for a while. Um, don't be afraid to pen that script or, you know, to buy the rights to that book that you love and find a writer, uh, which I guess is, you know, it's producing. So that's what I'm looking at doing at the moment. So all you have to do is figure out um, how to return your calls and everything will be great, right? <laughs> that's right. I should call my <laughs> mum back. Jesus, she's going to kill me. <laughs> and then in the meantime, um, you've become a dad and um, you're a relatively young dad. I wonder if that, does that impact your career? The choices you make, you're making for three people now instead of yourself? Yeah, definitely. Uh, is that good uh, or is that? <laughs> I'll definitely know? think about those, uh, those movies in Bulgaria, maybe a little bit harder next time <laughs> those come through. What, um, you, were, you were all in Bulgaria together? Yeah, we've all been everywhere together. She just comes along. Chloe's super cool with wherever we go, you know. Um, I think that's what it is with Aussies, you know. We're, we're, uh, we're no worries in the sense that, like, you know, if a studio head's like, okay, you're shooting in uh, 
Sofia, Bulgaria, just go and have a great time. And Aussie would say, no worries. Yeah. Um, we love traveling and getting out there. Maybe that's what it is. I'm not sure. But yeah, they're cool. You know, Birdie just, she's been all over the world, you know, traveling and... She'll grow up and see some pictures of her and some on some great sets, right? Like yeah, she will. Yeah, we've people. been taking a lot of photos, taking a bunch of photos with her on sets with different, you know, costumes and and stuff. So they're enjoying it. But yeah, it's 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 definitely I'm definitely more picky now in the sense that, you know, I want to do stuff that that, that I really want to do. You know, I don't want to waste time anymore. Um, but I got to make money, so. Is we'll there see. a Maleficent too? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think they're uh, talking about it at the moment. And what about pirates? There was talk that they were setting you up for the... Um, uh, to be the Johnny Depp? Yeah. Is that, is that Birdie at the Birdie, door? Birdie, you going to come out and hang? No, she's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I really don't know. I don't know. I, uh, it didn't make billions of dollars, you know, um, but it didn't make nothing. So it's kind of in that... You know, in terms of finance, it's in that little interim um, space where I'm sure they're thinking we could go again and, you know, make another great movie and make a little bit more money. But um, they've got so many other properties at the moment that are making, you know, a billion plus. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll have to And now that out. it's all sort of at the end of it, do you feel that um – I mean, are you getting feedback from your agents or managers? Are there more? Does Hollywood sort of like offer you the same thing once you've done something or are you going to have to look for other stuff and make it happen? You know what I mean? Like often they say, you know, Hollywood sees you do one thing really well and then they just mm. keep offering you the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, at the moment it's um, young MIT college grad who's – smarter than he looks and outwits the bad guy in a crazy chase at the end of the movie <laughs> gets the diamonds or the cash or the girl <laughs> um doesn't sound too bad yeah yeah it's all right it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> you're not the like the loser drug addict you know whatever <laughs> oh, that was that too that was that too yeah <laughs> actually that's a movie that was going to go at the start of the year i remember um it was to play a meth addict actually and i had two weeks to prepare and after the first week, I was dying and Chloe was, you know, sick of me already. And uh, and they pulled the plug on the movie and I remember just thinking, well, at least at least I lost, a, you know, 10 kilos in a week. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> the life of an actor, Brenton. <laughs> the life of an actor, yeah. Yeah, you know, it is. You, you read the same thing all the time, every year. But in there somewhere is a gem which, you know, perks up and... You try and fight for those and all the kids in town fight to get those movies. Um, and hopefully with, you know, the influx of Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and um, all these different channels at the moment, they're, they're more common than before. Well, as you said earlier, you've got to be in it to win it and you're definitely in it. That's right. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what gem you come up with next. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks. It was great hanging out with Brenton, sitting on his back porch on a balmy night in L.A. while his girlfriend Chloe was putting their baby daughter Birdie to sleep. The LAPD helicopters were buzzing around us, but Brenton didn't seem too distracted 
as he got so passionate talking about his career and what he wants to do in the future. It's a long list, but I have no doubt he'll pull it off. On the next episode of Aussies in Hollywood, Eva Orner has created Academy Award-winning documentaries inside some of the world's most dangerous countries. Getting out of the country was terrifying. And when you get to Tehran Airport, they take your passport. And we were all sitting in this lounge together. They put all the people on the Emirates flight together. They kept bringing back people's passports in sort of piles. And my passport never came. That's next time on Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood is recorded in LA for Podcast One. Recording is by Andrew Sink. Audio production by Alex Mitchell and Nick Slater. Produced by Tim Dunlop. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.